You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Today's show is brought to you by Fertile, Grant, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, uh, helping those in the community that are kind of coming out of a rough or addictive uh, past. And uh, if you guys want to uh, help that cause, you can actually go to my Twitter page and there will be a tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. And uh, that'll actually enter you into a contest to win a free Quay Walker autographed jersey. But also attached to that uh, that tweet, like I said, is a, a link to that cause. For every $5 that you donate to that uh, that ministry, that'll enter you into the contest one additional time outside of retweeting that tweet that's pinned and also following the account. We're going to be giving that away here in the next seven days. So make sure you get yourself entered into that contest to win that autographed Quay Walker jersey. Now, we got a special, uh, special pod, a special show for you guys today. You know, I think everybody would agree that this season's been a little bit weird, right? A little bit different for us Packer fans. So what we decided to do is uh, why don't we crank up here and let's look ahead a little bit to the 2023 season. There's been plenty of content all week, whether it's uh, people like me defending Aaron Rodgers, people like others that are bashing Aaron Rodgers, people that think the whole thing should be tore down. Other people think that we're just one or two pieces away. I think everybody's correct in a certain sense. But why don't we kind of look ahead to the 2023 season and see, okay, what, what's the cap situation actually look like? And I think people are going to be pretty surprised because all you hear from a certain group of people on Twitter is that, I mean, you, you'd read their tweets and how they cherry pick certain information. You think the Packers are going to have to sell and move out of Green Bay, right? I mean, it's just, just the way it looks. <laughs> but when you really dig into it, you can kind of see what their vision was, not saying it was right. Honestly, hindsight being 2020, looking back, it was probably wrong, but we're going to kind of dive into it. So with that being said, that's kind of the the basis of this podcast, this live show here on Twitter and YouTube. Appreciate everybody hopping in and uh, hanging out with us today. But we've got on here from Cheese and Packers, Mr. Uh, J.J. Leahy, and then we've got from the, uh, from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast, Jacob himself is going to be on here for a short time uh, on the beginning. A little cap tip there. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So morning in the chat there, Goose. Let's do it, guys. Let's talk about it. First of all, opening remarks. It sounds like a court case, right? Let's go here. Uh, Jacob, you're going to have to get off a little early, so if you want to kick off, you can. Just maybe kind of a, a brief overview. Nothing crazy detailed, but when you look at the 2023 roster coming up and kind of where the, the team sits, what's the first two or three things that come to mind? I think that'd be a good way to start. Sure. And uh, I'm going to, as always, try to be kind of the layman here. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't quite understand the cap situation. I was looking at Track and um, trying to look at some of these numbers. Real quick before we get into that, can you explain what the 2022 dead cap hits? Because as I'm scrolling through that, you know, I see the guys uh, like Zedaria Smith pops up that were have an 11 million cap hit. Does that now mean that because of we ended our contract with him prematurely that we were on the line for that amount of money in this year's overall budget? Is that what that basically means? Yeah, so, and I, I do want to say exactly what Jacob 
said just now, guys, none of this is like set in stone. What, what I've always found out being a Packer fan, and it's one of the reasons why I've turned away from the cap a little bit, is everybody who comments on it have never been 100% correct. It's There's always little details that gets either swept under the rug or not talked about or, or oh, this this roster bonus popped up. Oh, wait, right here they had a, re, a restructure. There's a lot of different things that can happen. So we're not going to bore people with too many details. But to answer your question about Zadarius Smith, as I'm trying to pull it up here, um, what's cool is that comes off the cap next year. So there's nothing on Zadarius next year. But this year you're exactly correct. So basically this year's cap, $11.4 million towards the cap this year in 2022, okay? $5.8 million from Billy Turner, $3 million from Kevin King, okay? Now, why do I mention that? Because when back when Ryan was saying, we did go all in, we did go all in, when everybody was going, I don't understand why they don't go all in, this is what he was talking about, okay? <laughs> we did go all in. Basically, what it came down to is you having to cut Zadarius, uh, mainly because they were trying to work out the deal there with, um, with Tay as well, but – um, by by severing ties with Zadarius, that hurt us on the cap this year. What's cool is when you look ahead, Jacob, to 2023, obviously um, Zadarius is not on there. And it's funny, this is what I kind of always refer to, and I'm going to turn it back over to you real quick, uh, Jacob. We always hear about how, you know, it's going to catch up to us, it's going to catch up to us. I don't think anybody this offseason was coming into this year going – yeah, we just don't have the cap room to do what we want. I mean, they, for God's sakes, they offered Tay more money than Vegas did, right? right? And immediately the argument goes to, well, that's going to hurt us next year. Guys, 2023's dead cap money is only $54,000. Like, and, and yes, there are avoidable years tacked on. We're going to talk about that as we get into the 2023 roster. But I, everyone who always says it's going to catch up with us, there's not been a team that it's caught up with yet. Some people would say the Saints. However, nobody was looking at the Saints this year and going, man, they just yeah, – they, they ain't going to be able to fill a good roster. I remember going in the season thinking, oh, they got Kamara. They got they got Jameis Winston, quarterback. That was definitely their quarterback of choice right now. They still got Michael Thomas on the roster. There's – you know, they went out – who is it they got? Um, the uh, Jarvis Landry, right? They went and got Jarvis Landry. So yeah. we got to slow down with that. And, and I love hearing Ryan here recently how he kind of talks about I don't think it's going to be doom and gloom like everyone else because it really isn't. But did that answer your question, Jacob? Yeah, that did. And I guess going forward, um, as I'm looking at some of the numbers, just real quick, like you said, a brief summary. I'm one of those people that I'm kind of the tear it down, burn it all to the ground, start it over to the point where I'm looking at the top five people that we pay right now, Rogers, mm -hmm. Bakhtari, Smith, Clark, and Lowry. I'm thinking I maybe keep Clark. And even Clark lately hasn't been <laughs> – you know, the money that he got, I was expecting more of an Aaron Donald type player there. So basically four out of those five guys, I can either restructure. I don't mind Rogers. I'm done with him. Bakhtiari, I hate to say it, but I just don't feel like that his knee, even if his heart's in it, I don't think his knee's in it anymore. And he's mm -hmm. getting to be that, you know, Packers rarely give that third contract type thing um, with a guy that's missed years now. I, I just don't feel confident in that. I mean, even at guys like Amos Alexander Jones is a, an interesting topic where, like you said, I, I am one of those people that thought, you know, we're going to have to get rid of Jones at some point. Now I'm one of those people where it's like, figure out how to restructure this guy and keep him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a pretty popular opinion to be honest with you. I mean, a lot of people are, I say pretty popular. I don't think it's the majority, but there's a, a large group of people out there 
that are saying, hey, look, let's just tear it down, right? And uh, let's just move on to you, JJ, just a brief kind of overview. And that was a great explanation there, Jacob. I like what you said. It was very concise. Um, as we get ready to dig into all the numbers, I want to get your all's take, and then I'll kind of lay out what I think, and then we'll throw ideas back and forth and see what we come up with. But go ahead, JJ. How do you kind of see 2023, you know, from a 20,000-foot bird's eye view? Real quick, he yeah. says you need to grow a beard, Clayton. Apparently, me yeah. and JJ are making you look <laughs> like a little it. boy. It's funny, man. I shave though, and uh, and I get a different look from Mandy, so I'm gonna keep shaving. You know what I'm saying? That's the most. Important. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. All right. Well, obviously, the, the the biggest question is what do the Packers actually want to do? Uh, because there have been a bunch of times uh, leading up to today where I felt like there was a pretty clear path forward to how uh, the roster and the cap should be handled, and the Packers had a very different plan. So I do want to be a little cautious as we are laying out like a path to, well, here's how you put together the best roster, or here's how you clear the most cap space, or whatever, because um, the, the, <laughs> the Packers have a vision um, for what they want to do, and they're going to move heaven and earth to make that happen. And uh, I, I think that they could surprise us because they have been surprising us the last few years. So that, that that's my big asterisk on everything we talk about today is that um, the Green Bay Packers seem to like nothing better in the world than to make all of us armchair experts uh, <laughs> waste our time and look pretty silly talking about, well, here's how you could accomplish this thing that is not their plan in the slightest. Yep. Absolutely. Very well same said. With, same with the draft. Yeah, we I was going to say, yeah. Same same, same exact thing, man, because I was looking at the draft going, all right, man, we're definitely getting a safety early. We need a safety bad. We're going – Oh, man. It seems so obvious. Yeah. And then they come up and they get an inside linebacker or a defensive line inside linebacker. <laughs> it's like, what? Where did that come – and, you know, uh, I don't know. We This isn't going to be a roster evaluation episode. We're hoping that we can come away and, and keep this somewhat um, numbers, you know. But there's going to be just about to go down a Quay Walker Avenue right there. Is that what's going on in your head? That, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> my gosh, that and Stokes, another first round pick, Savage, oh. another first round pick. It's like I know we all say and we think that man, Goody, Goody drafts really well, and he ha and the Packers always have drafted well. But man, you you look at the people that are struggling this year. I mean, right across the board, Alexander obviously is your best corner hands down, but. Stokes, man, a 53.7. I mean, he's the 22nd lowest graded defender on the roster. And then when you look at Quay right now, 50.4, he's the 25th lowest graded defender on the roster. Right? I mean, it, it's I, – I love to defend Goody, and Goody we trust. That's me typically, right? But, yeah. man, you gotta you got to really acknowledge uh, the things that have happened this year, and, and it's getting overshadowed by Rodgers' talk. It really yeah. is. But uh, – <clears throat> That's, so, that's one of the things that worry me if if I am, which, you know, I just said I am. I'm one of the guys that wants to do the burn it down and build it up. Well, in order to do that, you need to have quality young players that can become the staples of your team. And I thought we had that in guys like Gary Stokes, Savage. And I mean, just look at what happens in a couple of games. We, we lose half those guys are also just completely falling off. So it's and to me, all the all the signs point to the Packers scheme has been somewhat figured out. It doesn't mean you scrap the whole scheme, but I feel like they came into this year thinking we're going to do what we did last year 
and we're going to cruise the 13 wins, and you're seeing it across the league with the, with this style of offense. Now, the young bucks that have come in, your Seattle's, your Miami's, your Cincy's, your Minnesota's, those guys are putting their own spin on it. You know, I went back and watched the Seattle tape a couple weeks ago because I was like, what are they doing? Like, And I'm, I'm expecting to see – Everything that everybody's talking about on Twitter was Shanahan motion and this and that, right? And I'm going, okay, let's sit down. Let's say they had a great game, and I put on the tape. And the very first play, guess what they did? 11-gun empty. They came out in an empty set and spread it out wide, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is not what I expected to see, right? So let's do this. Um, you talked about Bakhtiari. First of all, according to Over the Cap, as far as restructures, they have this really cool thing. That's called restructure restructure potential. Okay, you've got effective caps, uh, the effective cap space number of five point three million in the red. Okay, now simple restructures. It's saying that the Packers have forty nine million in simple restructures, which would result in a forty three point seven million dollar possible cap space. Now let's go extreme like the Saints did, right? Maximum restructures. <clears throat> as far as maximum restructure, seventy one point seven million, which would put your cap at 66.4 million in the green. Obviously, we don't I don't even want to go with that middle number. I want to keep doing what we've been doing, but we got to we got to evaluate the roster a little bit better. So, when we talk about Bakhtiari, which you brought up, Jacob, okay? Um, this is a uh, article I pulled up. I can't remember who posted. I'm going to read it real quick. He says there's no guaranteed money left for the Packers to pay. Therefore, the dead money would be exclusively prorated signing and restructure bonuses already paid that haven't hit the cap yet. If the Packers decide to trade or release him in 2023, they would incur a $23.1 million in dead in dead money. However, the movement would open up $6 million of cap space. So they would gain $6 million if they just cut Bakhtiari loose or traded him, okay? And almost $33 million in 2024. That space would guarantee financial health for the final years of Aaron Rodgers' career and facilitate extensions with Elton Jenkins, who would be the immediate replacement at left tackle, Rashawn Gary and Adrian Amos. Now, Amos, I don't feel like it's on that list. This article was written back in August. The other contractual option is for the Packers to keep Bakhtiari in 2023, hoping he can regain his old form. Then there would be another window to get out, out of the contract in 2024. If the Packers don't restructure Bakhtiari, Again, next offseason, the dead money in 2024 would be $11.5 million. Sounds bad, right? Wrong. It's going to free up $21 million in cap if they cut him next year. So the Bakhtiari debate now becomes, do you want Bakhtiari on your roster? Because you can make it work and there's room to restructure, right? My answer personally, if he's healthy, yes. That's a big if, right? Now, will we all agree that he's better off this year than he was last year health-wise? I mean, it's not sure. much to ride home about, but he's trending in that direction. And in my opinion, too, as far as tier of uh, of positions, I had it wrote down here, that top tier on offense is quarterback and left tackle. Now, I was talking with Coach Hahn in a separate chat yesterday, and I asked him, what position do you find most valuable on the offensive line? And he immediately said, well, you'd like to think left tackle because it's protecting your quarterback's blind side. Did he say but think about this, though. If you take all that money that's tied up in one guy that we've seen can go down with an injury and you spread that out over the entire offensive line, I don't think we're having the guard problems that we had early in this season, you know? I mean, I kind of see how we could spread that out. Now, do we? Do I think we run Bakhtiari out of town? I don't. I really don't. I think, I think you keep him on the roster if he's healthy. I think there's a chance he retires. There's also a chance that Aaron Rodgers retires. And this whole pod should be done with the caveat of, listen, 
if if Aaron Rodgers retires and Bach retires, this whole thing changes completely, right? And we'll get to that. Actually, let's just talk about it real quick as we get ready to lay the whole roster out. And I'm going to turn it over to you, JJ. What happens if Aaron Rodgers retires? There's a lot of stuff floating out there on Twitter and has everybody confused. The people that hate Rodgers immediately want to say, he's making $50 million a year. Okay, if you talk about the overall contract, yes. Now, I immediately go to, but his cap hit's only $28 million. What are you talking about? Well, that's not the, the total contract. Well, if he retires, he's not getting the total contract. Like, what are you talking about? Now, this is what it says. If Rodgers were to walk away, he would forfeit all his rights to the $59.4 million in guaranteed salary for next year. In order to best accommodate the hit on the salary cap, my assumption would be that the Packers and Rodgers would sign a new contract where the option bonus was eliminated and just a $1.1 million salary remained. That would reduce Rodgers' salary cap charge to $16.9 million and would carry him on the roster as a procedural move until June 2nd. At that point, they would put him on the retired list. The salary cap charge in that case would be $15.8 million in 2023, $24.4 in 2024. So if you take and you look, JJ, at the salary cap for 2023, Aaron Rodgers' cap hit is $31.6 million. If he retires, you basically drop that down $15 million. So you drop that down $15 million, you're, let's just call it 15 for easy math. So you're freeing up $15 million in cap right there. We don't even know what the overall savings would be for Bakhtiari retiring simply because nobody wrote an article on it yet, right? We just know that they could cut loose with him starting next year, actually this year, and gain $6 million. Now, according to Spotrack, the cap space for 2023 right now, we are $3.1 million in the hole. Guys, that is nothing. Like, I just told you how we could free up $40 million in simple restructures, right? Not that we should do all those restructures, but you could run it back and just draft players, right, and have this basically this whole roster intact. My question is, are we happy with this roster? Because I know I'm not. Now, the two, the two huge components for me, the most important, is definitely quarterback and left tackle. Those are my top tiers, right? Quarterback, Aaron Rodgers grades out as a 76.4. With a bum thumb right now, he's the fourth highest graded player on our offense. Okay, so he's a top five offensive player at 76.4. Bakhtiari, 78.7, is the third highest graded player on our roster. So we're basically saying we're going to get rid of one of our best players at the most important position, two different positions. So that's how I'm looking at it. I want to hear your take though, JJ, because I know you're a lot more future minded. You sound you're probably leaning more toward Jacob um, than I am. Um, but let's hear what you got to say about that. Just what we just kind of covered with Bach, Aaron, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, well, so we have a little bit of a hiccup before we move forward, and that is that <clears throat> so Spot Trek and Over the Cap don't agree with each other at all. Um mm -hmm. So Spotrack has us at negative three million for twenty twenty three, and over the cap has us at positive three million. Um, <laughs> I I always use over the cap because the people who are smarter than me, I'm talking mainly guys like Ken Engels on Twitter, mm -hmm. swear by it, um, and kind of publicly say uh, you know distrusting things about Spotrack. So that's why I always use over the cap. Um, I don't have any anything other than their word to verify why over the cap is better but <clears throat> but I, but i do trust him so um the other thing looking at what over the cap says about aaron Rodgers' contract and this is why 
um, trying to make any sort of um, you know projections about the future and and how his contract is handled is so hard is because so few details are publicly available about his contract. So bingo. Um, you know, one one of the things that um, I have a hard time even kind of getting past is like <clears throat> how much um, cash has already been paid out to him that we're still on the hook for uh, cap wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're looking at uh, according to over the cap that he's been paid out 125 million bucks mm-hmm. um, in in 2022 that we have to be on the on the hook for over the next couple of years. Now, I don't know. Retirement is is the one area of um, of uh, contract and, and cap relation that I'm very, very murky on is how does how does retirement affect things? We I all do know. I, I, exactly. I, I, I do totally understand the relationship between um, whether a guy is designated to you know retire um, you know post June one like that makes total sense to me that you're trying to roll that over into the next league year. But I know that when you cut or trade a guy, <clears throat> you can't prorate money out into future years. It all has to incur that year, which is why doing it after June one matters because after June one is technically the following um, cap year. So, right. so that that's one of those things that like I have a hard time getting very far down the road of what the heck you do with his contract at all, because with the details we have, as, as you said, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's so much that is just only privately known between Rogers and his agent and the team. Yeah. Um, but there, but I, I, I find it basically impossible to imagine that um, Russ ball and, and Mark Murphy would have signed us to any sort of a, a contract where, if he retires, we're actually on the hook for over a hundred million bucks in one year. Like there's, they built in stuff to protect them so that if he decides that he to hang it up and he's done that, that we're, we're in a better spot. So, um, yeah, you know, as bad as the, as the public numbers look, I, I don't look at it and, and feel any, um, alarm or concern. Cause I'm like, well, that's just not realistic. It's not, it's not possible for it to be this bad, which means that there's good news. We just don't know about. Right. And, you know, to go back to that, when it was first reported, there was this feud between Pat McAfee and Ian Rappaport on the McAfee show. And they and they literally had Ian Rappaport on there. And Ian Rappaport was reporting Aaron Rodgers' contract totally different from other players. And Pat McAfee kept pointing it out, going, well, you, here, here's a report where you reported, you know, insert, you know, player's name contract that was just extended. Why didn't you uh, word it the same exact way you did Aaron's, right? And Basically, what Ian said was it's a three-year extension worth $150 million. It's a $50 million a year uh, contract. Now, where did Ian get that information? He didn't get it from Mark Murphy. He didn't get it from Russ Ball. He didn't get it from Brian Gutekunds. He got it from Aaron's agency. The agents will always try to pump the numbers up. Why do they do that? They want the simplest form of this is how much this player is worth this year, and they wanted to set the bar at $50 million. So they did. So when I when I ask people and and I try not to be an a-hole about it, but people get so aggressive and so cocky and it's like I I literally say, okay, well, he's he's twenty eight million dollars against the cap this year. How's he a fifty million dollar contract? It's going to catch us later. I just read to you what happens when he retires. So what they did and this is what Ian wrapped the wrapped the uh, report up with. He says at the end, he said this was a very, very um, God, what was the word he used? Creative way 
that the Packers could allow Rodgers to retire as a Packer and them protect themselves for the future. It was a very, he made it sound unique. Now, what did Aaron say? Okay, let's get Aaron's take. Aaron said it's a one plus a two with the option of a three. That to me sounds like at any point when he wants to retire in the next three years, the Packers come pretty clean off the hook with the exception. I say clean, but you're talking about $15 million. It's not clean. Let's not, let's not overblow it here. However, it's doable, right? <clears throat> now, when you talk about 28, 28 million towards the cap this year, 31 next year, I've sent tweet and tweet after tweet out there about, you know, where does he rank in, in, in the entire NFL? And you got people like Ryan Tannehill costing more against the cap than Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking Aaron all day, but, um, that, that hopefully explains to people what JJ's saying is nobody knows the details if Aaron retires. But I promise you this, when Aaron retires, we're not going to look up and go, oh, my God. There's some people saying that we're going to have a $90 million cap hit next year. And then the same people are going, that's why you should trade him. If you trade him, you're going to have a $90 million cap hit because that was yeah. the agreement between the Packers and Aaron was, okay, you remember he kept saying lame duck, I don't want to be a lame duck quarterback. That's what he meant. He wanted them to commit to him for, you know, three years and say, hey, yeah, we want you to retire as a Packer. The decision's already been made. So I don't I don't want to come across as like believe the way I believe and pounding the table. It's not an option to trade Aaron Rodgers. It's just not. But they made their decision. Aaron made his decision. Now we move forward. He either retires or he doesn't is really what it comes right. down. So, right. Um, and and and, um, <clears throat> and 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 I, I, I totally understand you know the his motivation in structuring it that way you know to where you get penalized if you cut me you get penalized to the tune of 99 million and some change uh it, it does completely put him in the driver's seat and this is why the big question we gotta sit down and try and assess is is he gonna be back next year and and i don't know why he would come back because i don't either you know you you, you look at his level of play and you can defend it and, and say that, well, he's still good. But the thing is, he's not Aaron Rodgers good. He's not good by his own standards. You look at his yeah. grades, they're, you know, one, one of the worst of his career. <laughs> yes, it's still good. But I think that if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're you're looking at this and considering, if I come back next year, I might tarnish my legacy. You know, and, and I think, you know, even he might even look at, yeah. like, the last couple of years of Peyton Manning, which were, you know, yes, successful, but still, like, kind of sad to watch. Like, he was not the Peyton Manning that that we had all been watching for like all Brady those years. this year. I mean, yeah. Brady yeah. this year, yeah. Oh, by the way, I, they're in first place in their division now. God. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, JJ. <laughs> Has Brady ever not won his division? Has he ever <laughs> won a wild card? But it's like, at this point, it's, at this point, it's like witchcraft. Now, I, now I know. Everybody in the world would have pointed to the NFC South and said, yeah, they're all going to stink this year, except for maybe the Bucks." But then, you know, it, it is crazy that they have a – the Bucks have a, a losing record and they're still first place in their horrible division. Yeah. Jacob, thoughts, man. Go ahead. I, I got to step away for just a second, but you go ahead, man. I know you got to get off here in a second. Yeah, I just um, got a few minutes, but that's fine because I can actually <clears> – I just got a list of the unrestricted free agents coming up, and I guess I can bounce off of uh, of JJ there. So I'll just read off a few of these names here, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Amos, Cobb, Lowry, Crosby, Lazard, Tanyan, Jaron Reed, Mercedes Lewis, our newfound uh, free agent Jonathan Abrams, Sammy Watkins, Elton Jenkins, 
Levitt, Ford, Wilson, Nixon, Tyler Davis is a restricted free agent. Out of that list, who do you think is most pressing that we need to re-sign, if either? Um, go ahead. Go ahead, JJ. Uh, I know well, my answer. So it's, it's for the right price, none. <laughs> Unless it is the right price, you know. That's kind of where yeah. I'm at now. Yeah. Go ahead, JJ. Well, I, I think the, there's a couple guys the Packers are obviously going to try and bring back. Uh, Elton Jenkins being uh, very near yeah. the list, just despite his level of play this year. Um, I think they still believe in him. Um, I, I would imagine they're going to try and bring back Rudy Ford for sure. Um, you, know, you mentioned uh, some guys, uh, other guys on Ford's level, like uh, I think you mentioned Dallin Levitt. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I, I think that those guys are, are going to be back. I think the Packers like them. Uh, they're cheap. Yeah. Um, the, the, the way they have played this year has given you confidence in them moving forward, but it's not going to catch anybody else's attention and, and, and earn them any big contracts anywhere else. You think Nixon's done enough to get him re-signed? Um, personally, I would re-sign him. I like Nixon. Me too. Um, but, all, but also, I, I think that he's, you know, he's, he's a guy. Uh, he, he, yeah. He's a guy. If he's not back, you're not going to cry. And if you if you sign him, um, that pretty much completes your cornerback room for the most part. What I have is numbers that are set at minimums, right? Like quarterback, two two on the roster, three halfbacks, um, you know, uh, five receivers, four tight ends, eight offensive linemen. These are all minimums, bare minimums that you want to break camp with right on the roster. And there is an open spot there at corner. If you get Keyshawn Nixon at a discounted price, I'm all about it. Right. But then again, you know, what if you go out and find someone better? Right. I mean, what if Goody does go shopping? He is going to go shopping. That's what's going to blow people's minds. It's not going to be crazy. He's in the hunt for the top free agents. That ain't going to happen. But we're negative three point one million in the cap right now. They're going to do some restructures. If this is assuming that Aaron comes back, right, Aaron and Bach come back, there will be restructures done. You know, isn't it amazing they were talking about how we were in such cap hell, but somehow we're six million over the cap right now. Like, how did this happen, guys? It, it, I'm telling you, if you follow the people that tweet that stuff, typically they're doom and gloomers. You Fake can, news. Yeah, I mean, literally, <laughs> just just watch their tweets. I don't know how many times I've had it topped out and had to delete it. And I'm struggling on Twitter right now. And well, I, I mean, hang, I hang on a second. I, I am one of those people. So let, let me let me defend. <laughs> let me defend for a second. <laughs> I'm not saying we can't field a football team next year. I am saying I don't want to be the freaking Saints. The Saints stink. The Saints are in absolute purgatory. I, I think their GM is an idiot. Um, he does draft some good guys, but I think that he does a really bad bad job of, of managing their cap. The Saints kind of get worse every year. Uh, they can't afford to, um, to to field a Super Bowl contender team. They're They're kind of... They're always just good enough to like play spoiler for some other teams, and that's it. That's their ceiling. They can't, um, they can't always retain everybody that they would like to retain, you know. And, they, and they'll, they'll, you know, say whatever they need to say, and they'll, they'll keep some guys and keep pushing money out further and further. Mm-hmm. But they, but all they're doing is they are just extending the period of how long they're going to be mediocre. They can't, um, they, they can't actually build one of the top rosters. And I have no interest in doing that. I don't have an interest in like being the Steelers either, where you're trying to, to prop up your um, hall of fame quarterback with kind of a subpar roster with one or two superstars like TJ Watt, that you kind of are really fortunate to have on your team because, you know, we're seeing 
the second TJ Watt is out with injury, they can't win a game. They yeah. are a horrible defense. They go from being one of the best defenses to a horrible defense just with the subtraction of one guy. And, like, I'm sorry. That's not the world I want to live in. I don't want to be an ankle-biter team. So no, I'm, I'm not doom and gloom in the sense that, yeah, I think we're going to have to sell the franchise. We can't bring back Rashawn Gary and stuff. Yeah, you're going to prioritize guys like Rashawn Gary. And then on the rest of the roster, you're going to be starting guys like Keyshawn Nixon at CB2 and and you know trying to spin it that that's going to be good enough. And I'm, I'm just saying I don't want to do that. Yeah, and I, see, I don't see it that way because when I look at the roster – our cornerback room. Let's use that specifically because you you mentioned Keyshawn. Not that you you know that was a definite statement. I'm not saying that, but it probably yeah, was a bad example. Yeah, exactly. But like with, let's go through the positions. Let's just do it. And Jacob, you hop off whenever you have to. You interject whenever you. I probably got to leave right now. I got to be to work in 18 minutes, and I got to right. hop in the shower and try to look. Listen, no speeding tickets. All right. Nah, nah, I'm good. It's a pleasure to uh, talk to you guys. Nice beard, JJ Clayton. Get on that. I will. I'll start growing it, man. Okay, right, give me some of that oil, man. Have a good yeah. day, bud. See you guys. See you. All right, so let's start with quarterback position, right? Aaron Rodgers, like I said, 76.4, graded out the fourth best player on the roster. Jordan Love, 62.1, graded out as the 11th best player. Now, obviously, it's a, a very minute sample size. If Rodgers comes back, there's your quarterback room next year, right? We agree on that? Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Um, halfback. Aaron Jones, 83.7. He is the highest graded player on the Packers' entire roster, to the best of my knowledge. He's, uh, if, unless maybe Gary's rated higher, uh, no, it's Aaron Jones. It is Aaron Jones, so, yeah. He is your best player on offense. And I hear people saying, his cap hits so high, we're just going to have to trade him or cut him. We're just going to have to trade him or cut him. This is a part of that restructure potential, right? Aaron Jones, I'm not saying that we should push money out four or five years, but – over the length of the contract, at least until he's 31 or 32, do what you got to do to keep him on the roster, in my opinion. I mean, unless you you want to completely scrap it down, which I'm definitely not in that ballpark, right? A.J. Dillon and uh, Kylan Hill are on the roster, too. So your halfback room is set if Kylan Hill is healthy, if all these guys are healthy. And, and keep in mind, too, guys, listening on the pod especially, um, there's going to be practice squad players with future contracts, things like that, what they call futures contracts. There's going to be a lot of other things that come into play. But the way it sits right now, there's 40 players under contract, according to Spotrack. And, uh, you know, you need basically 53, but 51 is the, is the magic number because the top 51 players are what counts against the cap. Okay. So the wide receiver room, JJ, I think we would agree quarterback and halfbacks kind of set if Rodgers comes back. Wide receiver room is what's got me like, man, this is a mess. You've got Christian Watson, a 59.1. He's 19th uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Amari Rogers, 55.0. He's 23rd on the offensive side of the ball. Romeo Dobbs is the highest uh, graded returning receiver, 60.6. He's 14th on the roster. And then Samori Torre, 52.0. He's 25th. You've got one spot open there at least unless you carry six. If there's going to be a position that they spend a little money in, um, it's probably going to be a receiver. How do you feel about the receiver room moving forward? Obviously, those guys are all under contract. They're dirt cheap. What would be your action towards a receiving? That's a good question because um, I'm also also trying to answer that question through the you know predictive lens of what I think the Packers will do, and not just what I would do if I was GM. Right. I I, I 
still kind of wouldn't be surprised if they spend another early draft pick on wide receiver, particularly if Aaron is back, because there doesn't seem to be any um, uh, concealing of the fact that Aaron is frustrated with the wide receivers he was given and that um, he seems to want a little bit more than what he has. You know, you listen to his comments on, on Pat McAfee. He seems to be very frustrated with the core guys that he's working with. Um, you know, if you get, uh, if, if Randall Cobb comes back as opposed to retiring, which I think probably, you know, is on the table, he probably would at least consider retiring. If he comes back, I think that helps. Um, and, you know, and you're looking for a, a good second year leap from, uh, from Watson and Dobbs at the very least. I, I still think that, uh, if Aaron comes back, I think he's going to insist on making another addition. Um, you know, somebody to replace the uh, Sammy Watkins roster spot, I think makes yeah. sense. And whether, whether that is a veteran, which is, I think is what he would like, or Goody would probably prefer to have a rookie on there. Um, you know, somebody that he can uh, scout and, and have on a cheap contract and, and they can bring him in and develop. I think there, there is going to be a little bit of a battle of the wills there on how you handle it. But I think that they, if, if Rogers is back, I think you probably bring in somebody else. Rodgers is not back and Jordan Love is under center, which we both said we're more on the side of we're not really sure why Aaron would come back for 2023 as opposed to retiring. If he doesn't come back, I think they probably bring in um, some sort of a uh, veteran free agent to replace Cobb and Watkins because I, I don't super think that either of those guys are back. They, they certainly could be. Um yeah. But at that point, I think that Goody might be willing to roll with the guys he has and let them continue to develop. Um, that That's just kind of my thinking. I know that he really likes his guys that he drafted. And if you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, banging the table and saying, get me another wide receiver. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm not sure that you have a ton of incentive in a year where Jordan Love is, is, is your starter and you're not actually thinking it's Super Bowl or bust this year. I'm not sure you have any incentive to bury any of your young guys um, on the roster behind um, any kind of a, a high-priced uh, veteran free agent. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> immediately I want to go to the free agent list, but I don't want this pod to turn in that direction because we're <laughs> going to get down to a rabbit hole and never, never finish yeah. it, right? But that's what's so fun about this. It'll be next Saturday. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That sounds good. Um, so as far as wide receiver for me, you've got to have a number one. JJ, I had to eat some serious crow, man. When they when Devontae, I I almost said when I'll, they I'll let just stop you for a second here because I know what you're about to say, and I'm I'm hundred percent right there with you. You and I were in the same spot. Now we're in the same spot together, and I, I gotta eat the same crow as you. So I know what you're gonna say. And I'm, I'm co-signing everything. Yeah, we're, we're in this sinking boat together here. Um, so, <laughs> you know, coming into this year, I almost said when they let when they let Devontae go, they didn't let Devontae go. You know, Devontae right. basically kicked and screamed and said, I want to go to Vegas. And I respect the fact that Goody allowed it to happen rather than holding his feet to the fire and saying, no, you're having to stay here. That I think I don't think that would be good for anybody. And the fact that they got the compensation they did. Now, when we look at the results from the compensation, I'm like, oh, boy. And this is where it gets to. I love draft picks, JJ. But, man, if you could trade a first-round pick and get somebody that's been proven year after year after year, I kind of feel like it fixes some of our problems. But um, with that being said, at the receiver position, what I was going to say is I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. I thought – Tay leaves schematically, everything will be just fine. Will you know he'll spread the ball around, and he has. I mean, I, that's what I pointed out in the last game. There was an ungodly. I think he, I think he tied, or he was one short of the NFL record, which was set by the Packers for how many receivers caught a ball in a single game. Like he was, the ball's getting spread around. It's just you, you don't have that player that's going to make a huge difference. I want to go to the chat here real quick. It's been sitting for a minute. Goose said. Three roster moves I would make is trade Bach if possible, extend Jones, and move on from Rodgers. If I had another three, it's finding a receiving tight end, sign a safety, and another uh, another veteran. Uh, yeah, sign a safety, try another vet at wide receiver. So trading Bach is definitely an option, right? Um, cutting him is an option too. Extending Jones, I'm 120% on board with you, Goose. I think we should do that. When I say extend, I don't mean – you know, extend the contract. I mean, restructure it in a way that he's happy that he stays with the Packers and we reduce that cap hit a little bit. And it's not going to be anything crazy. It's going to be something like moving $2 million out over the next three years and it's done. I mean, it's that simple to get that cap space filled up or, you know, back. Um, so as far as a receiving tight end, moving on to our next position, well, wide receiver, we do need a number one wide receiver. I said last year we didn't. I was completely wrong. J.J. agrees. We got to get that number one guy. I mean, when you look at the teams that are doing well with this system, with the hybrid version of this system, which is in Seattle, they had the number two um, offense in the league as far as points per play. And that's the big, I don't know if you've heard of points per play or not, JJ, I'm sure you have. That's the big gambling stat right now. 
That's what people are really gauging offenses on, and I think it's brilliant. It, to me, it's the equivalent to yards per carry for a running back. I don't care how many touchdowns he has. I don't care how many overall yards he has. I want to know how many he's right. getting per clip. Seattle's number two. What's their wide receiver room look like, J.J.? They've got Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf, two number one receivers. Quite good. Quite yep. good. Miami, number seven in PPP, right? Miami is the one that I mean, they, they convinced me more than anything else. It's Miami. Yeah. Yep. Jalen Waddle, number one receiver. Tariq Hill, number one receiver. Cincinnati, number nine in PPP. Jamar Chase. Minnesota, number 11 in PPP. Justin Jefferson. I mean, I, I've got to eat crow, dude. I was wrong. You got to have that number one receiver. You do, and if you can get two somehow, man, you're you're really off to the races because it still is a passing league. I know everybody loves to fall in love with the run, and 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 I'm as old school as it gets, man. I I'd be totally fine throwing five passes a game and just pounding the freaking rock. I'm boring like that, right? But when it comes to uh, you know being realistic, we kind of tried doing that year. We kind of tried doing doing that this year. Yeah, <laughs> well, like this last game. I still heard a couple people chirping going, we just need to run the ball more in the room. I'm like, you can't you can't average 2.8 yards of carry and continue to run the ball. It's you're gonna run it three times a punt, run it three times a punt. But um now now don't get me wrong, you go back to the Giants game, we should have kept re- running the freaking ball. Against Minnesota, we should have kept running the ball, right? And and I do think that's on Rodgers for the most part. I think he is influencing Matt LaFleur and wanting to throw the ball over the yard. But moving on to tight end, like what Goose said. The only tight end I'm showing on the roster, you correct me if I'm wrong, JJ, for 2023 is Josiah DeGuara. Is that what you've got too? Uh, let's see, Tyler Davis. Yeah. Nope, just just DeGuara. Yeah. So we literally have Perfect. one tight end on the roster. If there's a place where you're going to see a lot of draft capital poured in this year to tight end, it's, it's, or to tight end, if there's a time, it's going to be this year. I mean, you got one guy on the roster. He's a 62.1. He's 11th highest on the roster. I think he's. I think he's got the potential to be a good tight end when he's used. The only problem is when he's used in that H back role, it's a lot of leak plays, things like that. If you need a, a, a tight end that's going to stretch the field a little bit or play that George Kittle role out there in San Francisco, and that's another thing too. When people say, "Well, this doesn't look like Kyle Shanahan's offense," well, Sean McVay's offense doesn't look like Kyle Shanahan's offense. I mean, you watch them, and, you, and I broke it down as far as personnel. And the Rams led the league in 11 personnel last year, right? And then you go to San Francisco's offense, and they led the league in 21 personnel, right? They ran 21 personnel as much as the Rams ran 11 personnel, meaning the Rams are in three wide receiver sets and the 49ers are in, you know, two running back, one tight end sets. Um, When you look at it from that, that angle, the Packers definitely are playing more Sean McVay ball, right? Well, for sure, the Rams are struggling just as bad as the Packers are. You know what I'm saying? San Francisco is taking a, a dip back too offensively, but I, I'm definitely in a minority when I say I feel like people have caught on to the old version of this scheme. And uh, but that I, I truly believe that after watching the tape, Seattle, Miami, Cincy, and Minnesota are doing things way different than the LA Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Green Bay Packers. Um, um, yeah, but with that being said, though, tight end, how do you address tight end, man? What would you do? Would you go out and try to get a big free agent? Would you, uh, you know, uh, would you, you know, try to try to use some draft capital on it, take one early? What What do you think? All right, so let me let me just push back for a second because if you if you're going to push back on the um, uh, alarm around cap hit, which I, I think is fine to do, I'm also going to do that on um, 
unrestricted free agents because this is something that people freak about freak out about every single offseason. Yep. I have I have never bought into it one time. And I'm always right when I'm not putting any energy into panicking about, well, this guy's not under contract. If the Packers like him and want him back, he's going to be under contract again. They will sign him to a new contract. They do that every year. Every um, year. The, the, the only exception is where you, when you run into situations like Zadarius Smith, where he was a cap casualty, they decided we want these guys, uh, you know, including Aaron Rodgers, including Devondre Campbell. We want them more than we want Zadarius Smith. And we have, screwed up with our cap to the point where we can't keep those guys and Zedaria. So Z is gone. Um, and, and, you know, they just made that decision. That's the only time where they don't, or, or you get a Devante where he doesn't want to be back. And I think maybe they could be in that position with Alan Lazar, just the way that they've handled his contract. I think that, that there could be some feelings from him of, you know, you, you didn't pay me, uh, you know, I, I sat out and asked for a better contract and you refused and said, no, I, I'm not worth that contract. All right. Well, I'm finishing out this year where I'm beholden to you. And then sayonara, I'm going to go find someone who's going to pay me, you know, the, the money and the respect that I think I deserve. So, right. We're going back to tight end, though. Um, Deguara De uh, being the only guy under contract doesn't freak me out a ton. I think they will bring Tunyon back. I, I, I could go either way on that. I don't super care if he's back. I, I like him, but I'm not going to be panicked if he's gone. I have been waiting and expecting for the Packers to do something at tight end in the draft. Um, this past year, I thought it made perfect sense to draft a tight end. There were some guys who I really thought were worth like a third round pick mm -hmm. in this draft that they, that they didn't go after. But since the draft was over and, um, uh, the Packers have been making moves actually that are trying to make moves. They tried to make one before the draft even began in going after Darren Waller in the Devonte Adams trade. And then we've heard reports that um, before the trade deadline, they were still trying to go get Darren Waller again. I don't know if that's just a, you know, Goody really likes Darren Waller specifically, or if um, you know, there's something else going on there. Um, in regard to the tight end room as a whole, but I, I don't know if if uh, if if Goody's going to keep trying to pursue Darren Waller specifically again in 2023 because he he might. I'm a little bit surprised he was trying to mid season this year. Yeah. Um, but you know, is that any kind of an indication that he's going to try and make a splash play at tight end um, with a different trade? He's been trying for a couple of years. He was trying to get David Njoku. He was trying to get. Um, Zach Ertz and, um, you know, then, and then Darren Waller, um, he really does like the really big name, really flashy, uh, free agent tight ends, partly because there's not a lot of good tight ends out there. And so when you can identify a tight end who is really good, yeah, their value is through the roof. And I think Goody really does want one of those guys. You know, we saw him go out and get, uh, Jimmy Graham a few years ago. He, he really does covet one of those top tight ends. He doesn't, in in my mind, seem to view um, any other tight end that he doesn't know is a proven commodity as being quite the same level of value. You know, he's content to roll with Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon year after year, which, you know, love those guys, but they're not on the level of a Darren Waller or a Mark Andrews, and we know that. Um, and he's spent third-round picks on tight end a few times. Um, the, I... 
doesn't seem like he's super interested in in sinking a ton of capital into getting a tight end unless it's one of those top guys that he already knows is proven, which makes sense because it's such a hit or miss. You know, you look at all the tight ends who are drafted. Most of them are downright terrible. And then basically every team in the league save like four or five teams. They don't have any good tight ends. So yeah. uh, I, I, I do understand that. But that's, you know, what do I think he's going to do this year? I think he's going to keep trying to make a splash play. But outside of that, I'm not sure he's going to draft any of the, you know, top tight end names out there. The couple of times he has spent a third round pick on a tight end wasn't anybody that that, you know, the draft community was banging the table for. You know, Josiah DeGuar and Jay Sternberger were nobody's first choices, you know, right. and right. and uh, he, he's looking kind of more for role players, it looks like. Yeah, and I keep thinking about what Matt LaFleur said earlier this year when he said tight end is one of those positions that's it's so hard to find someone that you can just plug and play because they have to marry right. up with the run and the pass and, and all exactly. that. And you definitely got that in big dog. Um, and uh, then obviously Tunyon seems to be on the same page with Rodgers as much as anybody with that being said. Uh, Bill Ryan in the chat says, if Rodgers has another multi multiple interception game versus Dallas, he is done. Bakhtiari's knee and age have caught up with him. Draft Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame, baby Gronk. I feel like Mayer. Watch, watch the game at noon. Hey, let me tell you something. I'm a big fan of Notre Dame, and uh, I've been watching a lot of Mayer. And um, I just don't – I don't know, man. I, I'm so boring when it comes to the draft, JJ. I'm the guy <laughs> – I know everybody's saying, man, it would be nice to get the top pick. The, to me, the only time the top pick is valuable or at its peak value for me is when you have a quarterback that you know this is a franchise quarterback or as close to knowing as possible. Other than that, right. I'm of the opinion, trade out of the first round, collect draft uh, draft capital. I mean, the, the fact that you can, you can literally drop the salary cap hit so much lower with the new structure of the CBA and how everybody's slotted. I mean, that, that's really what the Packers have done and why they're not in the cap hill that people are claiming they're actually in is all these picks. Now, the problem is – when you're when you're picking after the third round, or in Packers case, the third round and beyond, this is the kind of roster you end up with, with those late picks. I would like to see, I think in a perfect world, what I'm trying to say is five third or five, you know, third to fourth round picks and forget first, forget second. I think you can really find some gems in there. Like Zach Tom, Zach Tom to me is is one person that's giving me hope for this roster, especially if Bach retires. I think Zach Tom has proven he can play left tackle. And the fact that so. his salary cap is is as low as it is, his cap hit, I mean, that could be absolutely huge. Because, again, my top tier of players, quarterback and left tackle on the offensive side of the ball, defense is edge, right? Now, going back to your Zadarius comment, um, we, we differ a little bit there. To me, the reason we didn't sign re-sign Zadarius or restructure, because he said he wanted to be here, they chose Preston Smith over Zadarius. I, that's that's the two comparisons yeah. I make. Now, why did they do that? Did they think that Preston Smith was a better player than Zadarius? I don't think so. I think that you had two factors with Zadarius. His back injury, you don't know how bad that is. You don't know if it's something that's going to continue. I, I fully expected it to rear its ugly head during this season. It hasn't so far. I've been wrong about that. But the other thing is the fact that he wasn't even traveling with the team when he was injured. Like, there was a fracture there. He said he was treated different sure. in the locker room, right? Sure. So that to me, I feel like that's what came into play there. Now there was a way to bring him back, and that was to tack on a bunch of more years. And I think that with right. his back injury, 
specifically. I, I, I don't even think you have to factor in the locker room stuff, which we all have a lot of questions about. The back injury specifically, and the fact that I, I think that they probably feel a little bit uh, bitten by the uh, David Bakhtiari extension. Like we, we paid him a ton of money and he immediately got hurt and hasn't really been able to play, you know, since then at the time they had to make the, the Zedarius decision. They're looking at and going, you know what? We're, we're still trying to wait this out and see if the Bakhtiari extension was the right call. Yeah. And, you know, our, our only option here to bring back Zedarius is to tack on a bunch more years because um, we don't have the cap space to do just a, a short-term thing with him, uh, you know, any kind of approve it. We really right. have to commit to him long-term, and we're just not willing to do that because we have too many questions about his back injury, and that's all before you factor in any locker room stuff. Definitely, definitely. And let's move on to offensive line. Um, during the Super Bowl run, J.J., um, you were a Packer fan. Or you, you, I, you know, I, I don't. I don't know everyone's age. In 2010, did you follow the Packers pretty close? I didn't follow uh, football super close, but I, I definitely was a Packer fan. Uh, gotcha. Definitely was super excited to see them in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, still, you know, top five memory of my entire lifetime is watching them win the Super Bowl that year. Gotcha. The reason I bring it up is during that time when when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers really took off from 2010 till 2017, roughly, right? Whatever it was. Who was the left tackle? All right, you're 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 putting me on a spot, and, and I and um, I did it, and I did it I, on I, purpose. I, I, should, I, I should know I should know the answer, but I don't. No, listen, I I'm looking at it going. Okay, I remember they drafted Brian Belaga, but they moved him to right tackle, and then they got Bakhtiari late. And my point is, I've been more I, in the past. I've been more in the past to say dump dump the money into left tackle, dump into left tackle is the most important position. But when they didn't do that is when they had this high-powered offense, this strong roster, all, all the things it took to make it to the NFC Championship, granted lay an egg against Seattle, but all of those times, right? So for me – Wasn't their um, left tackle out for the Super Bowl? Wasn't he hurt? I'm pretty sure he got hurt there in the uh, first game. It, it wasn't Chad Clifton, I don't believe. But I can't remember who it was that was left tackle. But it doesn't really matter the detail. That's just the point I wanted to make is – I think that left tackle is becoming one of those positions, especially in this type of scheme. And this is what I was talking to Coach Hahn about. And, and Coach Hahn, don't get me wrong, I want to put words into his mouth, but he agreed left tackle is the most important position. But he said second most would be center, and that is in my second tier, right? Now, is Josh Myers the center of the future? He's going to have to be right now, right? Um, but if Bakhtiari retires, I think we would be pleasantly surprised to see how much money's freed up. Now, if Bakhtiari is completely healthy, I'm cool with him coming back. That's great. That is that borderline top-tier position because I've got it kind of sinking down now into that second tier simply because we have been like Bakhtiari being somewhat healthy this year when we do see him on the field. I don't come out and go, man, thank God he's out there. That made a huge difference. But when he goes out of the game and I see – a rookie Zach Tom filling at left tackle and it's sufficient. It, to me, all the problems have come from the interior, you know, for the most part, and us kind of pulling Royce Newman. But let's talk offensive line. On the 2023 roster, you've got David Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, John Runyon, Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, Tanuta, Tanuta, I don't know who that is, um, and Sean Ryan. Okay, now Sean Ryan is actually the third. Um, highest paid player on that offensive line. But when you grade those out, Bakhtiari, 78.7, he's third on the list. 
I'm totally cool with him coming back, right? He's third as far as offensive players PFF grade. Josh Myers, 61.5. He's 13th. He's in a rookie contract. He's going to be our center regardless if we like him or not. Royce Newman grades out as the 21st better best offensive player on the roster at 58.6. John Runyon, 59.4. He's 17th. Zach Tom, 68.7. He's 7th. Rasheed Walker, there was no grade. Tanuta, no grade. And uh, Sean Ryan, no grade. Now, when you look at the offensive line, you build it from the tackles in, right? Obviously, jo uh, uh, Josh Myers is set. He's set at center. Bakhtiari at left tackle. Yash is going to be a unrestricted free agent. I seen somebody on Twitter the other day posted that he was a restricted free agent, that they had some kind of tenure tenor that they could put on him. Do you know anything about a tender there right off, right off the top day? If you don't, it's okay, maybe check. But I know on Spotrack it's saying he's an unrestricted free agent, which makes me think there's no way that we can do that again. I know not with a, with a free agency tender, but I wasn't sure if there was something else. There may be a transition tag or something. I'm not sure. So, anyway. I'm not sure. I, I, I do think he'll be back, though. You do. So you think they'll re-sign him. Um, if they can get him before he hits free agency to sign a deal, um, I mean, that that would be your right tackle of the future. You still got Bach at left tackle. You've got Zach Tom to play left tackle if Bach walks away, and you're kind of set up for the future is the way I see that. Um, you run with Myers there at center. But this offensive line I feel like was better this last game. Do you agree about that? I think that they have slowly been getting better – kind of um you know over the last like four or five games and i think part of that has you know yes there's still been some some shake up but that you you have had more consistency over the last like four or five games than you did um either last year or for the beginning of this season i think it's starting to pay some dividends that you're getting some guys to build some chemistry with the, with who's to their left and their right i think that i think you are just seeing just some some steady growth from the whole unit gotcha yeah, and and you, like I said, you've got eight offensive linemen there. If they if they end up carrying ten, whatever the number is, then yeah, you go out and try to solidify. I think right guard is going to be the the big thing. Um, if you don't bring back Elton Jenkins, and and the reason I mentioned that with Elton Jenkins is because, I mean, he's going to try to get tackle money, and rightfully so. Right, he's he's you know proven that he can play tackle. I do think this plays a little bit in Green Bay's favor, seeing that he's had a down year, but. Um, I think if I looked at it correctly, I don't want to say, yeah, okay. Um, according to Spotrack, the calculated market value per year for Elton Jenkins is $14 million, okay? You can you can make that work. You can right. talk about how you can restructure yeah. some things and bring him back. But going back to my original comment, it's why I mentioned it right offhand, is is it that important to pay someone who's not going to be playing left tackle that kind of money? Right. I think a best case scenario would be Bach retires, frees up a ton of money. You re-sign Elton, you put him at left tackle or maybe put him at left guard, put Zach Tom at left tackle. Cause I feel like Tom plays better at tackle than guard, but uh, there's oh, some options yeah. here, but are you bringing Elton back though? I, I think that this is going to be the big topic of the off season is Elton Jenkins. You got some other franchises. I think Chicago really wants to get Elton Jenkins. I think there there's, going to be some um a lot of consternation from folks until some sort of a deal gets done and and i do think that the big thing is going to come down to the packers are going to want to pay him as a guard he's going to want to get paid as a tackle but i do think that there is a healthy chance that the packers in the end go ahead and pony up whatever it takes because they value his versatility so much and they view him as a guy that you can stick at all five spots and 
I, I don't think that they are remotely willing to let that walk away. Now, you could look at the level he's played at this year and say, well, you know, how good actually is he? I think the Packers think he's really, really good. Um, and I think that they are um, giving him, uh, you know, built in in credibility for what he has done in the past um, and and just kind of putting the asterisk on this year saying, well, he's not fully healthy. I think that's how they're viewing him. I don't personally agree with that assessment, but that absolutely is how I read the tea leaves of how they view him. I think that they that he's going to be one of their top priorities. I think it's Rashawn Gary and then Elton Jenkins is going to be the 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 uh, top two uh, biggest priorities after figuring out what the heck you're going to do with uh, with Aaron Rodgers and whether he's coming back or not. That That's how I view it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I don't think that – I mean, I think that's very, very reasonable for sure. <clears throat> Again, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it from the angle of is it is it worth sinking a bunch of money into? And, you know, going into this offseason, absolutely. I was the one screaming. I was pounding on the table. We got to extend Elton. We got to extend Elton. But now I'm looking at him coming off the knee injury. And, and granted – you know, you're trying to get that need to to function like it was before. I mean, you're you're basically that I've always tried to understand what it's like for an ACL. I've never torn an ACL, broken a few bones, but I've never torn an ACL. And when you hear it, it's one thing for just, you know, guys like you and I to tear an ACL. It's another thing for an athlete who's putting all that strain on it. And right. Pat McAfee mentioned on the McAfee show that the the most the most difficult part about it is it doesn't feel like it's healthy, even though it is. And these players mentally are are saying to the trainers, it feels like it's going to snap. Are you sure it's not going to snap? And they're like, I promise it's not going to snap. You've just got to, it's got to become a cut. And I don't even know if I'm explaining that correct or, or well enough, but that just, I don't know, man. I think that we, uh, we downplay that, that injury way too much because we've seen people like Adrian Peterson come, come back so quick, you know, but uh, yeah. Well, and 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 I'll say all off season long, I was pretty vocal and and got a lot of flack for saying I don't freaking want Elton Jenkins at right tackle in 2022 because he's coming back compromised. I don't think he's our best. This is what I was saying all off season. I think I've absolutely been proven correct. I don't think that in 2022 the version of Elton we have coming off of his ACL is the best uh, right tackle that we have. He also doesn't have experience really playing at right tackle beyond just a couple snaps and I don't think it's what's best for him as a player I wanted him inside you know in a phone booth where we're asking less of his uh knee and we are asking less of him um mentally and emotionally to be trusting that knee you know tackle is such an athletic position I don't want him out there I don't want him you know either uh you know getting up in his own head about you know uh limited um uh, athletic ability and and right. and a lack of trust in his knee. I don't want him picking up any bad habits that are going to impact him for the future. And I don't think that he's the best option on the outside to be protecting Aaron Rodgers when he's not 100% healthy. He's not even a full year. Like I think I think today maybe he's like finally right around about a full year removed from his ACL tear. And it really an ACL injury is a two-year recovery process. You got about a year to get back on the field and then a second year to get back to the level of play that you were before the injury. That's kind of been borne out again and again. We see that everywhere. Um, you know, and and, and uh, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of confused about the whole situation because you got, on the one hand, you got Odell Beckham who came back from his ACL and, you know, was kind of basically playing right back where he was right before the injury and then re-injured it. 
And then, uh, you know, on the other side, you got Bakhtiari, who missed basically two full years, uh, you know, almost, uh, you know, 18 months yeah. before he could even get back in the field. And people were questioning, you know, has he played his last down of football? So, uh, but 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 the, the, the fact of the matter is, I never expected us to get the Elton Jenkins that we had pre-injury back in 2022. I viewed that as a 2023 return. And I, I do think when it comes to the contract negotiations, I think it helps the Packers um, and their standing a bit that number one, um, his level of play has been not quite where it was for this year. I'm expecting he'll get back. Um, but also number two, that they put him on the outside at right tackle and it clearly wasn't working and they had to put him inside. That gives you some leverage at contract time to say, look, you know, we'd like to play you at tackle, but you couldn't hang at tackle this past year and we feel a lot more comfortable with you at guard. And that, and that's a position that he's going to, you know, he and his agent are going to have to be trying to, to defend and saying like, look, you know, we're, you know, he's injured. He's, he's uh, trying to come back from that. And the Packers can say, well, gosh, you're asking me to take this risk that you're going to be back all the way, you know, and, and we love you. But, but I, I think that this gives the Packers a bit, a better negotiating standpoint. One other thing I want to, um a touch on is you were asking about Yash Nyman and his you know what the Packers options are there he is a restricted free agent um and what that means is that the Packers um so Yash can go out and negotiate a new deal with any other team but the Packers have a right of first refusal and they can match whatever contract he negotiates with another team and then he has to sign with them also the Packers have the option of putting a tender um of any kind on Yash. And I think that they will do that. I think that they, yeah, absolutely. You know, he, has, he has proved his worth. I think you probably put, you know, maybe a, a second round tender or something like that on him. I think that he, you know, has, has demonstrated a level of value that you are willing to pay the tender amount to keep him. Um, but also he's kind of in that, you know, uh, gray area where if he does walk, you are pleased with that, uh, you know, uh, draft pick comp compensation for him. You know, he's, he's kind of in that perfect, you know, uh, middle zone where it's like it, no matter which way it goes, we win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And <clears throat> man, with that, with that being said, knowing that Yash will be back and I agree with you, I think he will. Oh, I hate to say it, man, but I'm, I'm saying let Elton walk. And I never thought I would say that, but I would. I would let Elton walk. I'd play Yash at right tackle. That's your right tackle of the future. Um, if Bach comes back, great. He's left tackle. You put Tom at left guard. If uh, if Bach decides to retire, Zach Tom is your left tackle now because, in my opinion, he's proven he, he can hold up at left tackle. And I was really surprised with Yash. And I want to say this. You said, you know, you were screaming for um, Elton to be interior. And I was one of those guys saying, no, we need him at right tackle. You were right. I was wrong, period. Um now, the because I was saying, we don't know if Yash can play right tackle. Like, I mean, if he can, great. Right. Yeah. And he's proven he can. You know, granted, it's not like it's, you know, he's playing elite level or anything, but he's, he's proven that he can do it. So, with that being said, that's kind of how I see the offensive line, man. Um, well, for, for me, for Elton, I'll, I'll just say my stance on any player is I don't want them back for too much money. Right. So, right. With, with Elton, it does come down to how much you can sign him for. But I, the one thing that I think you can't overlook is how young Elton is. You know, this is a guy who 
the coaches really love and really trust. He's extremely intelligent. They really value that they can move him around to all these different spots in the offensive line. I do think fully healthy. Um, he is the best offensive lineman you got. You know, once Bakhtiari is is probably gone after this year, or or maybe gone. We'll just say maybe gone. Yeah. I I I I would really like to keep him at left guard, kind of long term moving forward. Zach Tom to me, he can play center. He can play left tackle. I kind of want him at left tackle, you know, kind of permanently. I'm not really interested in playing him on the right side at all. I don't think he's built for it. Um, and I think that Elton is a much better guard than Zach Tom is. I think that you're, you know, on the left side of the line, Zach Tom and then Elton Jenkins is the best combination you can have. And I, and, and I do think you, know, you were talking about the importance of shoring up that interior. I really think it is important. You know, guard is important. And I, I know that, you know, you can find, you know, kind of replacement level guard play. And we like John Runyon. I, I understand that. But I think that Elton Jenkins at left guard provides so much value to the overall offensive line. And you're having him next to the two most important guys and having that, that uh, you know, brain in between uh, whoever your left tackle is, hopefully Zach Tom and Josh Myers at center. I think that that is also really important. You know, we, we have some questions about Josh Myers. Love him, but we have some questions about him. Um, his play kind of is up and down at times. Uh, he makes a lot of mental mistakes. We have a lot of issues with snapping the ball. I think having a really high intelligence player and Elton Jenkins next to him is uh, really going to be important for, um, you know, continuing to develop Josh long-term into the kind of guy that we can trust and hopefully turn him into a Corey Lindsley. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to take a parting shot here as we move on to defense, and I, I swear I did not – it just popped up in the chat, but I was going to say it before Mike hopped in the chat, and I'm going to throw it up here in a second. But I was going to say with center being my second tier, I would like to see if you bring Elton back, play him at center. Or, or I, Zach Tom, anyone – you know, another guy you could play at center. But like, Elton, could you imagine an offensive line where it's Zach Tom with that cheap of a contract at left tackle, Yash – with that cheap of a contract, granted it's going to be a restricted tender, probably going to be a second round tender, I would imagine, something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, um, put him at right tackle, and you put Elton right in the middle of all that, right at center. I mean, I don't know. That's that's pretty appealing to me. It's one thing that we haven't tried. I mean, I know he's filled in in the past, but the reason I, uh, you know, it kind of triggered the thought in my mind there. Like I said, it came to mind before Mike mentioned it. Mike said in the chat, "I'm very concerned about Josh Myers at center." He just isn't consistent enough, at least not yet. And it's crazy because he's showing great pass set skills, right? But it's just in the run blocking that he's grading so low. Now, some would disagree with PFF's assessment of that, and that's cool. I respect that. But according to PFF, Josh Myers, 61.5. If you get Elton playing in the 80s there at center, man, that really changes things up. So now when you said it about Elton, we cannot get off offensive line. This is hilarious. <laughs> When it's so important, man. For the, for the right price, we completely agree there. The fair market assessment, according to Track, is $14 million per year. Do you, would you pay that much, or do you feel like what's the number that kind of just triggers – is there a number that comes to mind? Uh, so I'm looking right now at um, – where is it? Here we go. So I'm looking at uh, offensive lineman contracts. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see, for, for paying him as a left guard. So Quentin Nelson for the Colts is getting twenty million a year. Joel Batonio for the Browns is getting sixteen. Joe Thune for the Chiefs is getting sixteen. So if he's getting fourteen, 
that would put him at fourth overall in the league, just ahead of Lakin Tomlinson for the Jets, who's making just a penny below uh, 14 mil, basically. Um, I think as a left guard, obviously it's pricey, but if there is a left guard in the league that I feel is worth paying that way, I think that the Elton makes a lot of sense. And if you compare that to center, uh, he would be the highest paid center. So Jason Kelsey is making 14 mil for the Eagles. Um, you know, and if Elton's wanting to be paid as a tackle, um, this he would be um, kind of a, a lower paid tackle. You're going to find him all the way down about 20 spots down. He'd be about the, like the 18th highest paid tackle in the league uh, in between Deion Dawkins for the bills and Joseph Noteboom for the Rams. And I, I, I just think that, you know, you, you have to look at him through the lens that the Packers view him, which is that he is one of those premier guys. I think that the Packers, front office and this is not me saying i agree with them but i think the packers front office would view that as a steal that wow we're getting this guy that we think is better than all these guys for that kind of money if they could get him for 14 mil i think that they would view that as a steal and i would just say you know the the, the way they will structure his contract he's not going to be 14 mil for the first couple of years you know it's, it's going to go up as the years go on as the cap goes up this is how they always do their contracts i think 14 mil for elton jenkins probably is okay you know if you're if you, if you if you actually believe that um his level of play is still being impacted by his acl and that he's going to get back up into like the 80s i think 14 mil is actually something you should pull the trigger on i'll just say that yeah i, I think i agree um, especially after hearing the other numbers but um he's going to get a chance to test free agency right i mean there's no restriction there's nothing he, he gets to go out and hit the market openly so am, yeah. I, am i right in that so, I believe you. I think he is an unrestricted free agent. That's the case. He's going for tackle money. He's going for Bakhtiari money, you know? Now, granted, he does have the injury to deal with, but if the Packers are having to compete against other people in an open market, I mean, they missed their window to re-sign him. Granted, right now, just based off of the PFF and how the injury is gone, the rehab is gone, um, you would think they made the right decision, but it still hurts, you know, because you, you come to like Hilton. He's a solid offensive lineman. I just don't know, man. If he gets to test the market, I think there's going to be a team that's going to overpay for him. <laughs> I mean, the, the overpaying across the league right now is amazing. That's what's really funny to me is when you look at how the roster breaks down. And I'm, I'm going to ask you this real quick, JJ. We, we're we at the one hour and 15 minute mark. Do you want to keep going with defense or do you want to save it for next Saturday? What would you like to do? I'm having a blast. Let's do it. All right, cool. Let's roll with it. So offensive line, that's kind of how it shakes out. Now let's just globally, let's wrap up offense real quick. As far as needs and minimums, a bare minimum of one more receiver and three tight ends is what you need to add to this roster according to the way it sits right now. So that's just something to think about when you're looking at draft information, stuff like that, as far as um, free agents coming up in the open market, stuff like that. For the listeners out there, might want to keep an eye on that. So, again, one wide receiver, three tight ends is what I'm 